change and accounting for things that maybe the church in general, like just Christianity as a whole, might have done in the past or ignored something that they may have, we may have let slide. And instead of apologizing, I feel like we just need to account for things like saying this was wrong and we know that it was wrong and we're not going to apologize or well, yes, an apology would be nice, but more like this is what we're going to do moving forward. I feel like so often we hear people say, I'm sorry for this or I'm sorry for that, but then things don't change. And I think that's what we're seeing now with like the BLM movement and other movements like It's not necessarily the apology that means the most. It's what comes after the apology. How are you going to make those steps to make a difference? How are you going to ensure that things you put in place are going to stay in place even after maybe the person who says that it needs to change is gone? Welcome to the BMPC Summer Podcast, a limited podcast series from Bryn Mawr Presbyterian Church for the season when we cannot be together as a church, but we can still be the church together. I'm Rebecca Kirkpatrick, and I'm delighted to be joined today by my colleague Lee DeVries, our associate pastor for youth and their families, and one of our newest youth elders, Catherine Hattersley. Catherine has been integral in launching our new youth column on the BMPC website, where our youth members share their insights and reflections on what it means to be the church in these days. Catherine, we are so delighted to have you on the podcast this morning. Lee and I have been talking about how excited we are for you to be joining us on the session as a new youth elder and the work that you've been doing with the youth ministry column here at the church. And so I'm really looking forward to our conversation today and for us to get to talk to you more, but for folks to be able to hear more about the things that you've been doing. So welcome. Yeah, thank you for having me. Sure. Why don't you start out by um, introducing yourself um, to us, letting you know, you know, where you are in school and the things that you really love about being a part of BMPC. Sure. So I'm Catherine Hattersley. Um, I'm currently a rising senior at Radnor High School, and I've been at BMPC for about the last 12 years since my family and I moved here from uh, San Francisco, California. And I've had a really great experience at the church. It was an amazing place for my family to get to know people when we first moved here, especially for my mother. She was able to join the Y group. That was really great for her. And yeah, so I've been a a member of the youth group for a while. So Catherine, what was it like to finish the school year remotely? Finishing remotely was obviously not ideal. And most of the time, I felt like I was just kind of being given assignments and left to my own devices, sort of. The school uh, implemented like its own kind of Zoom style classes, but because most of the students are like under the age of 18, they were not like legally allowed to say that we had to attend the classes. So most people kind of skipped out on them and they sort of fell off, which (laughs) wasn't great. (laughs) Sounds like some really good learning happened. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And overall, it kind of depended on the teacher, like how good was that particular teacher with technology. But I feel like my school did a really good job with what they were given with like such short notice on having to shut down for like the entire rest of the year. So I do feel like I kind of missed out on a good like few months of my education. But I think 
it was the best it could have been. It sort of yeah. gives you a window into what college will be like. <laughs> yeah. Right. Exactly. A lot of independent right. study. So other than finishing the school year remotely, how do you think coronavirus has most affected your life? Um, well, it's definitely really hard to not be able to see other people regularly. And I think it's kind of, it's been really disorienting to like have suddenly everything be upside down and you don't know what this new normal is going to be like. But I've been trying to like make the most of it and, and get around to doing things that I had always wanted to do during the school year or over the summer that I never really had time for, like running on a treadmill regularly, like studying things that maybe I don't have time to do when I'm in school, writing, reading more often. And I feel like it's kind of given me a different mindset, like opportunities and things that we might have taken for granted before. Like everything can just disappear whenever and you don't know when like the next opportunity might go away. So it's like we should try our best to go after them whenever we can. What do you think you miss most uh, from your life before coronavirus? I miss having a schedule. Like I really enjoy knowing what I'm going to do when I get up in the morning and like having my time blocked out with things that I need to get done. So not really knowing what I'm going to be doing during the day or not knowing like what I'll be doing in the next two months was really difficult. <laughs> yeah. Mm -hmm. Has the Radnor school district decided what they'll be doing in the fall? Um, I don't believe so. I know they've drawn up like a plan of like five different opportunities or like hmm. things that we might do. And they kind of hmm. range from like there being no, difference from like a regular school year and just everything being online. So I think it depends on like how far we progress, like the state in yeah. general on terms right. of like lockdown. Yeah. Just to be clear, I don't know what we're doing in the fall. So <laughs> I'm not sure how anyone could know what we're going to do in just a few months, but that sort of speaks to that anxiety about like, I don't know what's happening. Like, and I, I can't plan anything. Right. Right. Yeah. Did you have stuff for the summer that you were supposed to be doing as a family that then you had to cancel? Um, I was supposed to go on an exchange trip to England, mm -hmm. which is unfortunate to have missed out on Absolutely. because I think their school year runs longer than ours. So I would have like attended their school for like about a week. Mm -hmm. And then the rest of the summer, I would have taken my normal summer job, which is a camp counselor, but the camps are all shut down. So I had to, you know, apply to a couple other ones and find something else to do. I am impressed that you were able to find a job in the midst of all of this and that you're working. I think that speaks a lot to your commitment to being a, a, a productive human in the world. <laughs> <laughs> For you. <laughs> This past spring, as you were, you know, doing school and online and all those kinds of things, we also as a church transitioned to doing all of our meetings online. And so that meant committee meetings and session meetings. So you have been elected um, and have started serving as an elder in our congregation and for this congregation, and you'll be an elder in the Presbyterian Church for the rest of your life now. But it meant that your first session meetings have been on Zoom, which is, yes. they're, they're different than 
they're kind of different than um, an in-person session meeting. It's been good to to see your tiny little face in a tiny little box when we have so many people in a Zoom call together. And it, it's made for interesting uh, meetings. But I'm really excited because you actually, as an elder, are going to be serving on the Worldwide Ministries Council, which is one of my uh, committees that I work with. And so we especially were interested to hear from you, like, what did it mean for you to be asked and for you to say yes to be an elder, knowing what you know so far about what we do as a session or even for Worldwide Ministries? Like, what is it especially that you're interested in in learning this year? And Yeah, well, in general, just being a youth elder, I feel like at first I was definitely surprised that I was asked. Um, I I didn't even realize that that it was an option for like youth oh. to serve in that kind mm-hmm. of position. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was really excited about it for sure, and I felt like it was a great opportunity for me to be able to like give back to the church because mm-hmm. our family has gotten so much from the church, whether that be from meeting people when we first moved or like you know, all of my religious education basically has come from the church. Mm -hmm. So that was like a really important part of my growing up. And I was also curious about like learning more about the inner workings of the church, like the behind the scenes kind of things, which Mm -hmm. I guess has been the session meeting. And those have been really Mm -hmm. interesting to sit in on. And I felt like becoming a youth elder was sort of like moving on from taking a passive stance on faith which I feel like is so easy to do sometimes. Mm-hmm. And so I thought it would be uh, good for me to like learn more through that. And then for Worldwide Ministries, I was really drawn to that one because I'm really interested in other cultures and learning languages is a hobby of mine. So I thought that that would fit in well with my my personal interests. Mm-hmm. Remind me which languages you're studying now. Spanish, right? Yeah, I take French and Spanish in school, and then I study like Chinese and Korean at home. Mm, okay, just casual, wow. no big deal. <laughs> Me too. Yeah, I know that we're hoping to be able to help you connect with our partners who are in, because um, we have a lot of partners who are in um, in Spanish speaking countries, so in Mexico yeah. and Guatemala and. Um, Peru. But then I would think as well, we could figure out how to help you with your French, um, with our partners who are in Haiti as Mm -hmm. well. One of the struggles of the committee is that because we don't often speak the languages of our partners, you know, we're really reliant on them to be able to to work with us in English. And um, I think it'll be a good learning for all of us as we help you sort of take the lead on some of that stuff. So I'm excited about it. Yeah, that sounds really great. Yeah. And those committee meetings will continue to be on Zoom <laughs> right? For now. <laughs> for now, but it, uh, it is good. And they're excited to have you be a part of that group. So that's great. Catherine, I can't remember when you first approached me about the youth column. Um, did you, was it in like February, January? Do you remember? Um, I feel like it might have been January, some, sometime around that period. I feel like I remember that I was studying for midterms, so probably around then. <laughs> I remember uh, in January, uh, the two of us going to get coffee and you bringing up the idea of having this youth column. Uh, and, you know, I've only been here for a, a, exactly a year, I think yesterday. Um, and I had never heard of 
of anything like that. I thought it was, you know, just youth elders, they show up, they do some things. And you have this brilliant idea of wanting to share with the congregation what youth are experiencing. Um, and I just remember sitting there across from you and being like, should, should she have my job? This is <laughs> awesome. Um, and so I would love to um, have you share a little bit about why you wanted to start the youth ministry column um, and what has been uh, something you have been really excited about um, in terms of writing about. Um, so as I mentioned earlier, I was like, really surprised when I was told that I could have a leadership position as a youth elder. And I wanted to find a way to like make that position worth it, like show that I could actually hold the position and do something good with it. And so I was trying to think really hard about like what I could possibly do to, you know, use that position to the the highest capacity that I could, how to fill such a, a role well. And as I said earlier, my strong suits are kind of like language and, and writing. Those are my my personal hobbies. So I thought maybe it would be a good idea to incorporate that into whatever it was that I did. And I know that like I know most <laughs> I know most about like the youth sector of the church as I am a youth. And so I thought that maybe bringing people together through writing and also giving the youth like a louder voice in the church would be a good idea. And to make the youth community in general more involved and heard by the rest of the church. Uh, so what is something that you have written about that was fun for you to write about or that was interesting or made you think about something in a new way? So, so far, I've really enjoyed all of the columns. Like all of them have something special to me. The first one was really special to me because it was the, the first one to be published, the first one up. Um, I really liked the one that I co-wrote with Jack Odiorn because I felt like it was really fun to try and fit our two pieces of writing together because he wrote his completely independently of mine. And so I had to kind of like bookend his piece. And it was really interesting to think about like how our two point, points of view, our two voices could fit together well. Mm -hmm. And um, like pieces that I've read, I really liked Jill Geddes because mm -hmm. it kind of was... It was, she wrote about her coronavirus experience as a high school senior, and I feel like it reflects a lot of what I was hoping to get out of the youth column. It shows her perspective on things, and I think it would be really interesting for the older members of the church community to be able to read it and like understand what she's thinking and what life is like for her right now. And similarly to that, I really like Thomas's piece about his experience spending so much time with family, as it kind of has like that same personal sentiment as Jill's. I don't think that one's up right now, but... Maybe it will be out by the time this podcast is released. Um, and I think it will be also, it'll be really interesting to look back on those pieces like a few years from now mm. and remember like what it was like for us during this crazy year. And I also like the piece that I just recently wrote about faith in 2020, because I feel like even though it was certainly very opinionated, the people reading it could agree with it or disagree. And maybe someone could even write a piece arguing against what I said. And if I didn't, even if I didn't agree with it, it would be a discussion. And I feel like discussions are really important right now. Absolutely. Absolutely. So you've mentioned how you think it's important for the rest of the congregation to hear from teenagers. Why do you think it's important? 
I feel like it's important for the church to hear from teenagers because we have a lot to say and we have a lot to contribute, even though maybe we don't know all the facts or all the history as well as the older members of the church and the community might. We have like a new perspective on things and we're the next generation. So hearing from us means an exchange, which is like almost like training in a way. And it'll kind of bring light to like, how will the next generation run the church? And I feel like hearing everyone's voice makes for more interconnection and a better community in general. I'm curious, actually, Lee, I want to ask you a question. Mm. Um, Did you feel like growing up? I mean, I know it's a little bit interesting because your dad was your youth pastor, right? (laughs) But Mm -hmm. (laughs) mm, that was, that's a different podcast episode. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Did you feel like you grew up in a church that really wanted to hear the voices of youth? You know, I don't know. I am sure in some ways that is true. And then I'm also pretty confident in other ways that was not true. Um, Mm. There are a lot of churches that I have encountered where the one time youth really get heard um, is on Youth Sunday. That's mm-hmm. that's one time we see youth uh, in the pulpit or in any kind of leadership position. Um, and so something I've really, really loved and I really value about BMPC is the, the youth elders and youth deacons. And uh, at least once a month we try and have, you know, back in normal days, um, we try and have a teenager reading scripture, um, which I think is so important for everyone to see that even young people are leaders. Yeah. And there's some, I don't remember what exactly it is, but there's like a note, a note that is so high that only young ears can hear it. Um, mm. I probably have just hit the age when I can't hear it anymore. And I think there's something true about that just in life. There are things that young people hear and understand and see because they are young. Um, My dad would call it like the fresh paint perspective. Like we've been in the room for a long time. We can't smell the fresh paint. But Mm -hmm. when a young person comes in, they can smell it and be like, hey, um, uh, is that gas? Are we all going to die? And really potentially be very helpful. Um, Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I think. There are a lot of churches where it's it's uh, what is often called the one-eared Mickey Mouse. So mm-hmm. the the youth group is kind of its own separate siloed kind of congregation. And I know that um, I've been working really hard to make sure that that's not true at BMPC. Uh, mm-hmm. And Catherine is just one example of a youth who is so dedicated and interested and faithful uh, as someone, as a leader in the church. Um, mm-hmm. I've been so impressed by our kids um, and especially by Catherine. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's the interesting thing to me about um, BMPC because like, I grew up in a church similar to this and felt very much like as a teenager that people wanted to hear from me and people were curious about what the youth were thinking about things and you know, inviting us into sort of different places of leadership. Um, but it really took me really wanting to put the effort into doing that. Right. Mm -hmm. And so that's the thing that I like so much about Catherine, right. It's (laughs) like, Catherine, you are here for this, right. (laughs) Like you are, right. Like I just really appreciate that so much, you know, that you are willing to engage with us on your own. So it's not us like trying to encourage youth to be involved and and have them sort of say, yeah, but do you really want me involved? (laughs) Like you say you do, but 
Sometimes I think maybe you don't, which I think, unfortunately, is sometimes the message we kind of put out there to young people. Mm. We want you involved up to a point. Um, And so, Catherine, I think that you're really enthusiasm for all of this kind of work and really knowing that you have a, a voice and to be able to like lift up the voice of other youth in our congregation and to help us engage with that, I think is, you know, a real gift. And it's the kind of gift that is um, in the people who are elected into leadership in this church. So you may have been surprised to have been asked, um, to do this, but it is very clear that the spirit of God, as we like to say, you know, is already working within you and sort of endowing you with the holy gumption to be able yes. to, to lead yes. in this way. Yeah, <laughs> write that down. That's a good quote. Holy gumption. Holy gumption. Yes, yeah. <laughs> That's incredible. So what do you, um, you know, what's kind of your vision for the column? You know, I think a lot of, you know, everything we're doing right now, right, is about how are you dealing with the pandemic? And, you know, what is it like to be church in this weird way? But, you know, what is your hope for the youth column beyond that? Like, as you think about this whole next year? Well, I'm really hoping that we can continue on the path that we're on right now and that we can draw in even more readers and more writers. And I'm hoping to get, like, as a baseline, everyone from Student Serve to write at least one piece. And I'd also really like to get some younger voices, like maybe some middle mm. schoolers. Mm. I feel like they could write, like, a really fun or upbeat piece, maybe even something funny. And I'm also looking forward to uh, tapping into the new freshman class. Um, Why exactly are you excited about the freshman class, Catherine? Well, my sister, Vivian, is a freshman this year, and I feel like based on what I've observed of her class, they seem like a really great group, and I'd love to have their thoughts be published on the column as well. And also, I feel like it would be really interesting, maybe like once a year or more if it is successful to get a voice outside of the church, maybe like another another church. I have a few friends that uh, thought that the column sounded interesting and maybe I could tap them to write a piece or even like a different kind of perspective, like a friend or a person in the community that maybe isn't Christian or isn't our denomination and wants to write a reflection piece on something they've experienced, whether that be related to Christianity or related to their own religion. I feel like that'd be a really interesting way to expand the voices and the horizon that we're seeing in the church and, and on the column. Especially as we think about, you know, one, one of the things that we're trying to figure out for adults, you know, right now is how to be engaged in the community and conversations around race and around, you know, the economic disparities that the virus is highlighting, you know, and, and exacerbating for people. And so I think, you know, those are the voices that we want to be able to also engage with, to have you right. all young people saying, you know, we are also part of this faith community and a faith community that brings a particular perspective on some of those issues. And so to be able to engage with other young people outside of our church um, and to see where the connections are on those issues as well. I actually read an article the other day that was talking about how religion in particularly our denomination or just like Protestant churches in general, like the amount of people who are belonging to the church or who are saying that they're religious is like steadily declining. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people are saying that that's because they feel like they there's no opportunity for discussion or change within the church communities that they've grown up in mm-hmm. and that they feel like 
everything's very stagnated. There's no conversation going on about whether that be religion or just things that they want to talk about, like maybe discrimination or or something that they felt outside of the church. Mm-hmm. And I feel like it's really important that to me that's that's sad that that people can't turn to their own religion or a religion that maybe they don't know anything about to to get comfort or to learn more about something that they might be curious about. And so I feel like that's something that I think BMPC does a really good job of tackling. I feel like it's an open community and I think we can continue to make it even more open. That's one of my favorite things about being Presbyterian, right? Is that a lot of things are on the table, you know, for discussion, like, and we're always looking for new ways to understand, you know, even ancient things that we can take something that is ancient and look at it in an entirely new way um, and expect that everybody brings their own perspective to it. And the way that even among even the pastors, right, that like Lee will interpret a piece of scripture differently than I will, and that we both bring sort of a different interpretation of scripture and that that's what it's about being in conversation with one another about those things. So can you tell us, because you mentioned this, and so especially for people that maybe don't um, know what it is, can you explain what Student Serve is? Yeah. So Student Serve is like a group for high school students. And basically what we do is we get together every Wednesday. It used to be seven o'clock to eight, but now we're doing like Zoom from five to six. And basically what we do is like we discuss passages or scriptures in the Bible, or we talk about what we want for the the youth services or music or something that we're looking forward to planning. And there's a lot of discussion, which is what I really enjoy about it. And and sometimes we'll have a really long conversation and everyone will have a different point of view and we won't come to a conclusion because it's kind of like we're leaving it up to the fact that there is no right answer. Mm -hmm. And there's just a lot of opportunity to like learn from other people, whether you agree with them or not. And I really appreciate that sentiment of the group. So here's my last question for you. And then I'll let Lee ask you one last question. Are you getting tired of all of the things on the Zoom and, you know, all of the virtual ways that we're doing life? You know, how are you? Because that's the thing that I am the most anxious about as we think about having to start all things in this sort of same way that people just have so much fatigue. And so I think especially probably for, you know, high school students, that's probably a big thing as well. So what's your fatigue level when it comes to Zoom? I won't lie. I don't love Zoom. (laughs) Um, I, I don't love it to a point. I don't love like sitting on it for like two, three hours, which I have had to do at some Mm. points, but like an hour I can, I can deal with it, especially when not everyone is like muted and and just one person's talking. I think the most uncomfortable thing is when people turn their mic and their camera off. So you sort of feel like you're the only one sitting there. Mm. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. I feel, I feel like the exact opposite. I would love it if everyone just turned everything off. But I, <laughs> but I, I know what you mean, Len. It feels a little bit like you're disconnected, even though you're connected in that way. Right. Yeah, well, hopefully we'll find more creative ways to do it well um, together and give people a few breaks when they need them. Yeah, I hope so. Mm. (laughs) Definitely. 
So my final question um, for you, Catherine, is if there was one thing that you believed the church needed to hear right now, what do you think it would be? Um, that's a hard question. Um, do you mean from youth or just like in general? Uh, what, you know, you interpret how you will. She's going to use it for her next sermon, probably. <laughs> probably. <laughs> Remember, you do my job for me. So there we go. Yeah. <laughs> um, hmm. From youth, I feel like the church can hear not only that we're interested and that we want to contribute, but that change isn't always bad. Like you said earlier, I feel like youth have such a great uh, ability to see things that maybe other people or older people haven't picked up on or have become deaf to. Mm -hmm. I think I notice things all the time and I might mention it to like my mom or an older person around me and they may not have even seen it or picked up on it because it just, they've become so attuned to it that, that maybe people always need a refresher. I don't think Mm -hmm. it's necessarily a bad thing or it means you're inherently wrong for not noticing something. I think people honestly just, especially older people just need a refresher. Like they need somebody to say, Hey, that's not right. Or we can change this because this is the better way to do something. And I feel like that's a really great thing that youth can contribute and something that the church can hear just in general. Mm -hmm. Um, I feel like change and accounting for things that maybe the church in general, like just Christianity as a whole might've done in the past or ignored something that they may have, we may have let slide. Mm-hmm. And instead of apologizing, I feel like we just need to account for things like saying this was wrong and we know that it was wrong and we're not going to apologize or, well, yes, an apology would be <laughs> nice, but more like, this is what we're going to do moving forward. I feel like so Mm -hmm. often we hear people say, I'm sorry for this, or I'm sorry for that, but then things don't change. Mm -hmm. And I think that's what we're seeing now with like the BLM movement and other Mm -hmm. movements. Like it's not necessarily the apology that means the most. It's what comes after the apology. Mm -hmm. How are you going to make those steps to make a difference? How are you going to ensure that, things you put in place are going to stay in place even after maybe the person who says that it needs to change is gone. Mm. Mm -hmm. So I feel like that's an important idea that we, we can be aware of everything and know what's wrong. Even if it's hard to admit that we've done something that's wrong. Mm. Well, that'll preach Catherine. So (laughs) (laughs) There are so many articles, I think, that, you know, just seem to come out all the time about how the church is dying and young people aren't interested. And my thought uh, is that if Catherine, Mm -hmm. if the Presbyterian Church is in the hands of Catherine Hattersley, I Mm -hmm. feel fantastic (laughs) about where we're going. Mm -hmm. I when I look at the youth that we have, and, and I've talked about this with Rachel as well, um, I am so delighted and impressed and just in awe of how God is 
moving in your lives to make the world better, to make us better. Uh, and exactly what you just said, Catherine, like, girl, preach. Mm-hmm. Thank you so much for all that you do and your commitment and faithfulness and the way that you just keep showing up. Um, It is incredible and such a gift. Well, thank you for giving me the opportunity to do all of those things. Pastors are actually um, elders as well. So Lee and I are actually teaching elders in the church. So it is a gift to be a colleague with you as an elder in this church. Thank you.